What's going on, everyone? Trick or treat and happy Halloween. I'm your resident retrosexual Dave Rosenbluth here this week, and you're tuned in to Kicking Out at Two over at SoundCloud.com. And we got a special Halloween edition of our show this week. We're going to be doing a special Halloween style watch along of the November 2nd, 1985 WWE Saturday Night's main event Halloween special, where they had a, a really decked out Halloween party. There were some great matches with Junkyard Dog and Terry Funk, you had Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant against King Kong Bundy and Big John Stud, a Kung Fu Challenge with Ricky Steamboat and Mr. Fuji and so much more. But before we get into that, um, as some of you may or may not know, some of you that are keeping score here on Kicking Out of Two, originally this was going to be a Halloween Havoc watch along. And due to some uh, unfortunate circumstances beyond my control, well, I shouldn't say beyond my control because I had some poor communication skills going on with one of my uh, potential co-hosts, Chris Donovan. We were going to do WCW Halloween Havoc 1997, and unfortunately, some scheduling conflicts, real-life things got in the way, and we couldn't do it. So then last week, I thought, well, you know, I'll try to do a watch-along on my own, and I picked out WCW Halloween Havoc 1990, which was roughly about two hours, and I, I listened back to it earlier this week, and I didn't really care for it. Um... I mean, maybe it'll be a bonus show one day. Maybe I'll just throw it out there and let you guys listen and follow along. Uh, but, yeah, I just wasn't you know, really pleased with uh, what I was able to do on my own for that length of time, being two hours uh, with, with the WCW Halloween Havoc 1990 watch along. So I thought, you know what? Why don't I spare you, the audience, of uh, having to hear me go on and on and on and on by myself uh, for two hours, and I'll shorten this week's watch-along with just me for just, you know, roughly about 90 minutes or so, however long it takes to record this podcast, and uh, we'll take it from there. So I thought, why not go, you know, 1985, Saturday night's main event, the, this is the third ever Saturday night's main event uh, airing, which, you know, was taped on Halloween, October 31st, 1985, from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then would later air on NBC on November the 2nd, 1985. I've never seen this Saturday Night's main event before up until this week. I've heard all about it, and I've heard how wild and wacky it is with the costumes that some of the wrestlers um, dress themselves as. So uh, I'm looking forward to this, and hopefully you guys are looking forward to it as well, to you know go back in that way back time machine, reflect, reminisce on the... the uh, the, the wild Halloween festivities that was the November 2nd, 1985 Saturday night's main event. But before we get into that watch-along, um, I wanted to address uh, the WWE Evolution uh, event that took place earlier this week. Uh, the all-women's WWE pay-per-view. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I thought they hit a home run. And, uh, you know, it was one of those events that going into it, there was a lot of buzz and excitement because this was a first in WWE history. I know some of you wrestling fans out there are probably going to want to correct me. You're probably going to want to uh, tell me that, oh, you know, TNA did it before. And, yes, they did. And you're going to tell me that there are other women's independent organizations, all women's organizations that have done events like this before, like Shimmer. And be, to be quite honest with you, you'd be correct. But I'm going with this as this is a first time in WWE that this has ever been done before. I'm not talking about first time ever in the entire world of wrestling, but in WWE. And uh, to be honest, like I said, 
I, I think it hit a home run. It, definitely out of the park for sure. The, the 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 stitching on the ball was definitely knocked off, and the ball is probably still going as we speak. But um, we'll talk about it a little bit here. Uh, not a bad match on the card. Really not a bad match. Um, and we could start with you know Trish Stratus and Lita defeating Mickey James and Alicia Fox with Alexa Bliss on the outside. Unfortunately, she was not able to be a part of the match, and due to a concussion, suffered previously uh, about a week or so ago i believe at a house show in a match with ronda rousey so uh yeah long or long island crowd was pretty hot for it i'm not gonna lie they uh they definitely wanted to see trish and lita team up and it was a good you know nostalgia kind of match uh, they got all their their signature stuff in and uh, mickey and alexa you know played the good bad girls and you know did a great job overall all four girls really brought it um and you know before we get further into the card i know there's been some uh some criticism online regarding the, the the way that the uh the arena looked it had like a house show look to it with the with just the house lights taken down and you had the 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 ring really spotlighted it kind of had the nxt feel like some of the takeovers that you see on the wwe network i personally liked it it was something different it wasn't too glitzy uh wasn't all about the glamour it was more about the the girls in the ring and the in-ring action and them going out there and going balls to the wall and um it, it really uh centered the the presentation on the girls and you're not worried so much about all the the flashy lights i mean they had a decent little set um from what i heard through the grapevine um with wwe being in charlotte and atlanta they got their production guys tied up over there plus some production people are headed to saudi arabia for the crown jewel event later this week yes breaking news wwe is still going to go to saudi arabia i know i touched upon it a few weeks ago it's been talked about the death i will not talk about it this week but yes they are going over there so they got some some production members tied up over there so between traveling and trying to get a full-size production set for Evolution and then bring it back to Charlotte, the Charlotte Atlanta area where Raw and SmackDown took place earlier this week, uh, you know, it would just have been virtually impossible for them to do. So they scaled it back a little bit, but I thought it was good. I really did. I didn't think it, uh, you know, took away from the event. If anything, it added to it and brought you a different feel for this all-women's event. Um, as we continue with the card, the Women's Battle Royal, we saw some... Uh, a mixture of the the current crop of girls as well as some you know the the older talents me personally uh i popped big for alundra blaze excuse me medusa I thought uh, her appearance in the Battle Royal was really cool and fitting and good for her because um, she's one of those girls that I think had been forgotten about when it comes to women's wrestling over the years. You talk about the Trishes, you talk about the Litas, Fabulous Moolah, May Young, Sensational Sherry, but people don't talk enough about what Alundra Blaze slash Medusa brought to women's wrestling in the history of the uh, of the business. So I was glad that she got her her, uh, her her part in that match. Nia Jax won. She earns a future opportunity at the Raw Women's Championship, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what her and uh, the, the Raw Women's Champion uh, get into, and I will you know discuss that in a little bit um the six woman tag team match riot squad against sasha bailey and natalia fun little match nothing really too much to write home about but the crowd was really into it popped big for bailey um yeah i thought that was a fun match don't really have any complaints when it comes to that the uh here's a match that i, that I thought almost stole the show and I'm talking about the may young finals the may young classic finals with uh, tony storm defeating uh 
Io Shirai. Holy cow, man. Those girls, they kicked ass. They brought it. And Tony Storm, I think, is going to be a big part of uh, women's wrestling in WWE for a long time to come. She's on the the NXT UK brand. She's going to be a big part of that. I, I see her hitting the main roster and being one of the major female players for years to come in WWE when it comes to women's wrestling. Uh, the Shayna Baszler, Kyrie Singh, NXT Championship match. I didn't really have too much interest in it going into it, but they surprised me. Uh, definitely a lot of fun and probably their best outing um, in a singles match with each other. They wrestled each other a couple times. They were in the finals of last year's May Young Classic. They wrestled it in NXT TakeOver, but I thought this match was their best match with Shayna coming out the victor with a little help from her uh, a couple of her four horsewomen cohorts, Jessamine Duke and uh, Marina Shafir. Uh, moving on with this card, you had also the um, yeah the the shoot where am I where am I at now? Um, we had the the NXT Women's Title Match, the Mayan Classic Finals, the Battle Royal, the Tag Team Match to open up the card. That's for um, the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Charlotte and Becky, last woman standing. Match of the night, without a doubt. And that Long Island audience, audience was 100% behind Becky Lynch. And uh, I can't, you know, say enough good things about this match. These girls beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, I, I don't like it when wrestling fans say, Fight forever! Well, um, I would have loved to have seen these girls fight all night long because it was that great of a match. And uh, I, I hope to see that, you know, these these two continue their rivalry because I think that, you know, the, the I don't want to, you know, overexpose it or water it down, but I, I, I'm just selfish. I, I, these two girls have great chemistry in the ring with each other and the stories there, the audience participation, just all the intangibles all at once, all the stars aligned makes for a great presentation with these two. Um, going forward so uh, hopefully we see more of Becky and Charlotte against each other um, for the Smackdown Women's Championship and uh, let me not forget the main event the Raw Women's Championship as Ronda Rousey defeated Nikki Bella in a surprisingly good match I didn't expect too much out of these two uh, to be quite honest with, you, with a little bit of Ronda's inexperience and Nikki Bella you know not being full-time in WWE anymore, leaving because of her issues with her neck. These two girls brought the physicality, and I, I really enjoyed the, um, the the match between them. I, I didn't I didn't think that it was going to be that very good. I thought we were going to get a little more psychology and, and, and the match being more about, you know, Ronda trying to chase Nikki rather than Nikki getting the upper hand and really putting it to Ronda. And I thought it was a good good match overall. And just overall, I think I said, show hit a home run. Um, I'll put it up there as one of the best pay-per-views of the year right up there with uh, the Cody Rhodes Young Bucks All-In the Slammiversary from Impact Wrestling headlined by Austin Aries and Moose um I'll put it up there with uh, even uh, WWE the main roster Hell in the Cell from September I mean it was you know Evolution they they brought a, a they, they they brought a lot of firsts um that you know that night when it comes to that show and i can't say enough good about it it was just you know it's definitely you know moving onward and upward with women's wrestling i wouldn't mind seeing another women's all women's pay-per-view um maybe next year maybe just 
something other than Evolution. Maybe we'll see two women's pay-per-views. Who knows? But um, definitely a success in my opinion. And I've seen nothing but positive reviews all around about Evolution. If there's only one criticism about Evolution, it's probably when they aired that commercial for Crown Jewel and the entire arena booed the shit out of it when you saw the graphic on the screen of Crown Jewel this Friday on the WWE Network. You, you know, Michael Cole had to had to plug that. I just thought that you know, if there's any kind of criticism, I wouldn't have placed that there. Um, you know, you're, you're you're talking about women's wrestling and being progressive and praising the evolution of women, not only in wrestling but in sport and in our society. And then you're going to promote a show that you're going to go do from a country that is totally against women's rights. Uh, I just thought it was in poor taste and uh, certainly not something that I would have done if I was uh, the one in charge. But you know what? I'm not the first person to say that. I'm certainly not going to be the last. And I'm, that's where I'm going to leave it at that when it comes to that uh that evolution, you know, pay-per-view event and the, uh, the the crown jewel event coming up later this week from Saudi Arabia. All right, uh, like I said, we got a, a, a loaded show for you this week. Halloween theme, Saturday night's main event, November the second, nineteen eighty-five. Head on over to WWE Network right now. Log in, and you're going to go to the Vault section, and you're going to look for Saturday night's main event, and it's episode number three. Like I said, the date. November the 2nd, 1985. And while you guys are doing that, for those of you who have already logged in and are waiting for me to give you a countdown and press play, allow me to remind you all that we are on social media. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. If you have not already, hit that like button and join all the interactive discussions. We've got pictures, we got videos, we got memes, we got gifts, we got we got it all over there. And we talk retro pro wrestling, great group of guys. A few weeks ago there was a great conversation uh, with, with the guys uh, regarding the potential of a macho man undertaker rivalry back in the day and what that could have been like. We may even turn that into a show one day. Who knows? But it was a lot of fun talking that over there. Of course, we have links to archive shows on the Facebook page. All kinds of great discussions. So head on over there, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Um, do the same thing for Twitter. We are on Twitter. We have, a, we have a Twitter following. It's not as big as Facebook, but we have a following. So give us a follow. Our handle is at kicking out two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. The same fun, interactive discussions that we have with each other on Facebook. We're trying to do that over on Twitter, but we have to do it within 140 characters or less because that's a thing over on Twitter. And there was a rumor on Twitter, actually, while we're on the subject of Twitter, earlier this week that... Um Twitter was going to be getting rid of the like button, and I could just hear all of social media's self-esteem come crashing down when it hurts inside. Hope you guys got that wrestling reference. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, if you if you're on Twitter, if you have a, a Twitter handle, first of all, give us a follow so you can help us build our following over at, at Kicking Out Two. But uh, you know, if you enjoy using the like button quite often on Twitter, then let Twitter know that, you know, don't get rid of it. It's what makes Twitter go round. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more things that make Twitter go round, but the like button is certainly a part of that. All right. We've covered all the social media. We covered WWE Evolution. So without further ado, if you have not already, head on over WWE Network. The Vault Section, Saturday Night's Main Event, the year 1985, the date, November the 2nd, episode number 3, and we'll give you a countdown in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, hit play. 
as we open this Halloween edition of Saturday Night's Main Event with Mean Gene Oakland and Bobby the Brain Heenan bobbing for pumpkins, uh, which I've been to a fair share of Halloween parties in my day, both young and old, and I've never heard of anyone bobbing for pumpkins. I think that's absolutely fucking disgusting. Um, you know, I, I don't like pumpkin anything. I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. I don't like pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin potato chips. I don't like anything pumpkin. I think the smell of it's disgusting. I never liked carving pumpkins when I was a kid. I hate touching the seeds and all that nasty stuff. So uh, I don't understand why they would want to bob for pumpkins. As we see the Hulkster brother ready to, uh, you know, uh, unleash his verbal assault on his opponents this evening. Big John Stud and King Kong Bundy, who are managed by... You saw there, Bobby the Brain Heenan. His tag team partner, the boss, Andre the Giant. And here we see Jesse the Body Ventura in his normal... This isn't really a Halloween costume for him. This is like everyday Jesse Ventura look here. Uh, as he's with Super Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Just when you think you got the answers. Ha ha ha. I changed the questions. That's right. Ah, RP. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm here to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you ruined everyone's Halloween. <laughs> you and me and Uncle Elmer and Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> That's my best Roddy Piper. It's not really my best, but it's a Roddy Piper impression nonetheless uh, here on this uh, Halloween edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. And uh, for those of you out there, uh, you know, pro wrestling aficionado... Oh, wait, hold on a second. Here's me and Gene Orkelin with Terry Funk and uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Here, I'm going to give you my best... Uh, Terry Funk impression here in just a moment. Mean Gene probably telling Terry Funk that he's going to meet him for a cocktail later because that's what Mean Gene likes to do as we see the Funk. Oh, Pritchard, I can't make it this week. My horse is sick. If I come, my horse is going to die. All right there, Terry Funk. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you, you go take care of that horse for you there. Walking birth control. Jimmy Hart, what's going on? Let me tell you something, baby. <laughs> All right, I'm getting a little out of control here, but this is disgusting right here. Boom, yeah, spitting right into the camera right there as we uh, we open up this Halloween Saturday Night's Main Event. I think Terry Funk spitting into the camera really set the tone for this uh, Saturday Night's Main Event Halloween edition uh as we see, you know, clips from uh, weeks leading up to this edition of Saturday Night's main event. Uh, Tito Santana, Intercontinental Champion, Andre the Giant, and Big John Stud right there. King Kong Bundy. Look at that. Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. Mr. Fuji. Oh, Mr. Fuji. And there he is, the Hulk, the guy who really set the uh, the bar high for the World Wrestling Federation in the boom period in 1985. As we got a sold-out crowd, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Hello, I'm Vince McMahon. God damn it. And joining me this week is going to be an individual who's going to try and start a wrestler's union. That's right. As we see all these idiots dressed up like Hulk Hogan and King Kong, this individual, I'm going to have to fire him pretty soon, but then he's going to sue me, and then I'm going to have to pay him royalties. Ha ha ha! And then, and then, and then, there we see Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper. That's right. But joining me this week, Oh, a couple of cone heads and a gorilla. Is that monsoon? Who knows? Ha <laughs> ha. Jesse the Body Ventura. Ha ha ha. You're not fired yet. 
You know something, McMahon? I'm gonna tell you right here and right now that in about five years, I'm gonna leave the World Wrestling Federation and then you're gonna have to pay me royalties because I don't wanna work for the World Wrestling Federation. I'm just gonna sit it in Mexico in the middle of nowhere, talk politics, and collect a check from you, McMahon. All right, Jesse, let's take it back to Mean Gene Okerlund. Wow. Packed house, <laughs> uh, as we uh, we see Terry Funk beating the shit out of this 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 ring boy here, really putting the works to him. Look at this, a female referee. I did not know that. How fitting. There's a female referee in this watch along. We just talked about the all women's Evolution pay per view event, as we see Terry Funk really beating the shit out of this guy, and. Uh, Coming up shortly, Terry Funk's going to go one-on-one -on -one with the Junkyard Dog. Let me tell you something, baby, right now, right here. You go to Jimmy Hart's Tiki Bar and Deck in Daytona Beach, Florida. All right, Jimmy Hart, shut the fuck up. Oh, Gerland, I'm going to beat the snot out of that J-Y-D. That's right, because I'm a goddamn Funker, man. And after I get done with him, I'm going to go back to Amarillo. All right, you call the hotline right now, and you let us all know what you think. Is this a bunch of bullshit? Is this a bunch of garbage? I am Mean Gene Oakland. Let's get back to ringside. <laughs> I'm just really amusing myself this week. I just want you to know that, so hopefully you guys don't turn this off, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm entertaining you. But if not, please, by all means, let me know over on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too. As we see the Funker here putting the putting the work with that branding iron to the junkyard dog uh you know from a few weeks prior heading into this match um you know, obviously Terry Funk, well known for his uh, his time as uh, you know a, a, a member of the National Wrestling Alliance. He had a couple of cups of coffee with uh, the the WWF over the years. And Mean Gene here, ready to interview the Junkyard Dog. Uh, junkyard Dog, one of the most popular characters in the history of professional wrestling. I can't do a good Junkyard Dog impression, so I'm not going to do one during this segment, but. Macho Man's going to come up shortly, and I'm sure Hulk Hogan's going to come up, so I'll probably do a couple of those, but I won't really kill it with the impressions, otherwise you guys will never listen to this show again. Uh, Okerlund, yeah, probably shilling something, plugging something, or he can't wait to, to hit up the, the hotel bar later. The Junkyard Dog. Now, you know what I miss about wrestling? And, uh, you know, this may sound silly, but I'm one of those guys that like the little things... Are the, are the things that really get to me um, in a good way. Uh, but I miss the um, when the guys come down to the ring and they get escorted by, like, the cops or, like, the, the security staff in the building. Uh, you know, the, the nowadays, the you know, the entranceway is pretty wide open. There's obviously barricades. The fans can't, you know, you know crowd the wrestlers. And I know it's probably for a safety. Uh, it's for safety more than anything. But, man, I used to love it when, like, the guys would come on. You knew it was a big deal if, like, you know, you had about, like, 10, 12 cops and some security guys, you know, escorting someone to the ring as the Action gets underway. Junkyard Dog and the goddamn Funker, Terry Funk, going at it here. JYD looking to uh, looking to get a piece of Jimmy Hart. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. Ooh, right there. Yeah, JYD. Talk about birth control, man. Let me tell you, the Junkyard Dog putting in some work on. The goddamn Funker, man. Oh, wh where'd he go? I didn't even know he went underneath the ring. 
as uh, the, the the crowd in Hershey is pretty hot for this right now. Um, here's another thing that's interesting too. You see, you know, there's no mats on the floor. Obviously, you know, another reason why there's mats nowadays around the floor is for safety, and a lot of the uh, athletic commissions in each state require um, wrestling and boxing to have uh, mats surrounding the ring. But yeah, no mats on the floor at the time, and that was definitely a a a, a uh, you know, a sign of the times for sure. Um, back in 1985, like I said, this is the um, the first time I'm watching this Saturday night's main event. I did not watch it when I was a kid because uh, at this time I was not a wrestling fan. In 1985, I was two years old. I didn't get into wrestling probably till about a year or so later. 1986, I was three, and uh, you know, I got a Hulk Hogan LJN uh, doll from uh, a relative of mine and I started watching wrestling after that and you know the the love affair um, has continued ever since and uh, you know I went to the uh, recent uh, Northeast Vintage Toy Show in North Haven Connecticut uh, this past weekend and picked up a uh, a Hulk Hogan LJN the very first doll I ever got uh, so um yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff there. I got a couple of WCW action figures. I'll probably post it on the uh, the, the kicking out at two page uh, coming up uh, later this week on social media. Um, Junkyard Dog here, Terry Funk, um, two guys, uh, Hall of Famers in their own right. Like I said, Terry Funk regarded for his time in the National Wrestling Alliance. Um, his WWF stuff, not so much memorable. Uh, I mean, maybe the stuff he did with uh, Mick Foley when he was Chainsaw Charlie. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, people remember Funk, you know, for the I Quit match with Ric Flair in Troy, New York at the Clash of Champions or his uh, his 87 retirement tours he did in Japan that, you know, Funk became a millionaire off of. Funk became a millionaire because he retired so many times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, most people remember Terry Funk for, uh, you know, his um, his runs outside of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, for his uh, his father's promotion in uh, Amarillo and uh, his time in the National Wrestling Alliance. Of course, his brother Dory, probably the more um, technically sound. Funk was the, um, he was a great wrestler, but he was not, you know, the wrestler that his brother Dory Funk Jr. was. You see a headlock by JYD. Funk sent him into the ropes, dropped down. Jimmy Hart getting involved and. The junkyard dog chasing him. He's like, come here, little man. Let me get a piece of your scrawny little honky ass, motherfucker. Here you go. The crowd's getting into it again. And here comes the goddamn funker. And back body drop on that hard, cold concrete from JYD to the goddamn funker. Man, I got to go. My horse is sick. I can't make this booking, Pritchard. And for those of you that uh, are wondering what that, what I meant by that, um, Bruce Pritchard tells a great story where um, uh, in 1993 at the Survivor Series, Brett the Hitman Hart and his brothers Owen, Keith, and Bruce were set to face Jerry the King Lawler and his three knights. And uh, unfortunately, Lawler could not be a part of the match uh, due to some personal issues. I think there was uh, some kind of court case going on with him. And he was not with the company at the time, so they they, they quickly replaced him with Shawn Michaels, uh, who was uh, coming off a of suspension. And Shawn Michaels had three nights with him, and Michaels was one of his nights was supposed to be Terry Funk. And for whatever reason, um, Funk backed out at the last minute, and it turned out it was Greg Valentine, Barry Horowitz, and. 
I forget the, th the, the other individual that was supposed to be um, one of the Knights. Uh, maybe it was Steve Lombardi, Brooklyn Brawler, I'm not sure, but... Um, if you do know, please, by all means, hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two or on Twitter at kicking out two. Who was who were the knights under the masks as a part of Shawn Michaels Survivor Series team in 1993? As we see Jimmy Hart once again getting involved in the action. Come here, motherfucker. Let me get you. Ooh, he dropped him head first right there, man. Wow. Crowd really getting into it. No, I got the megaphone. Oh, you son of a bitch. Right there. Funk. One, two, three, and your winner with a little bit of offbeat shenanigans, courtesy of the megaphone, Terry Funk. And here we see Funk and, and uh, Jimmy. Oh, kick to the groin to the referee by Terry Funk. No sound. Oh, he was going to go for the branding iron, but JYD is stopping him right here. Um, looks like he's gonna fight back and get a hold of it himself there you see him right there boom nails him with that branding iron once again through the ropes that's a famous funk spot there the way that he falls through the second rope and now he's got a piece of jimmy hart now he's gonna now he's gonna get that revenge oh right hand to the jaw jimmy hart probably one of the um the uh the the best weasley managers in the history of professional wrestling jimmy hart knew how to get people to hate you um just by the way he looked by the way he talked by the way he acted uh, from the guys he managed and uh oh jyd now looking to get a hold of uh jimmy hart and he got a hold of his trousers crowd going nuts for this man this is uh certainly uh certainly standard textbook uh entertainment right here look at him squirming around as he gets branded by a cold branding iron because the thing's not on fire it's not hot but uh yeah getting some of him the mouth of the or is it was it hot maybe it's just like the ash from the the branding iron rubbed off on the the back of uh jimmy hart's uh there we see <laughs> Ooh, yikes and thump JYD, grab them cakes, boy. Standing tall and standing proud after getting a piece of the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart here on this opening contest of this Halloween special of Saturday night's main event. <laughs> Pretending to be a bullfighter there. Toro, hey! Before he was El Matter, here's Mean Gene Oakland, and what the fuck am I doing here looking like a pumpkin? Well, I got a large alcoholic habit to feed, so I gotta pay the bills, and we have ourselves a pie-eating contest right here with this fat pig Captain Lou Albano and this other fat pig King Kong Bundy dressed up like an overweight Abe Lincoln. We got the Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. We've got Robin Volkoff. We got a weasel and Bobby the Brain Heenan. We got the Iron Sheik dressed up as the Batman. Oh, Sheiky baby, Batman. Batman, make you humble. Tito Santana, Zorro, why not? Uh, once again, the great Hulk Hogan as Hercules. And then we got the three musketeers of Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and some other redneck motherfucker. I don't know who he is. <laughs> and Captain Lou as Julius Caesar, ready to chow down here at the Saturday night's main event pie-eating contest. The rules are simple. Be a fat fuck and eat as much as you can, and your team will win. That's right. And call the hotline right now, 1-900-909-9900, to get the scoop 
scoop on who really should have won this pie eating contest. I will have all the scoops from the head booker himself, Vince McMahon, and go! That's right, eat those fucking pies. Yep, there you go. Swallow it whole. Yep, you fat, greasy fucking pig. Yep, King Kong Bundy there. Looks like he's got the upper hand as we got a close-up shot of the Hulkster cheering on. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Come on, Bundy. That's right. We got a lot right down the line. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, get it in there in the beard. A little bit of chocolate cream. Late great Nikolai Volkov there cheering on as well, scooping those pies. It looks like Bundy's got the advantage here once again. Tearing those pies up, man. Oh, my goodness. Captain Lou. Yeah, Bobby the Weasel with a weasel hat on his head. And the <laughs> the tail. It's on backwards. Come on, brother. Yeah. Ooh, look at Miss Elizabeth. All the way live. Holy shit. You got to eat that pie, Mr. Bundy, or I'll fuck you in the ass, make you humble. <laughs> Just hurt my throat. Trying to do Macho Man, Iron Sheik, and Mean Gene Oakland all at once. <coughs> Excuse me. And look at this. It looks like the winner of this pieing contest is Captain Lou Albano. Look at this. Oh! Pie face, literally. <laughs> what do you think about that, Lou? He ate chocolate in his rubber bands on his face. Look at that. Coming up, Piper's Pit, a special Piper's Pit on this Halloween edition of Saturday Night's main event from a sold-out Hershey, Pennsylvania, the Hershey Park Arena, as we see Hillbilly Jim, uh, Uncle Elmer, and I don't know who this other guy is here on the left, Hillbilly Jim in the middle, Uncle Elmer to your right, and the guy in the left, the barefoot fuck, I don't know who he is, but uh, coming off of the... the previous Saturday night's main event where Uncle Elmer married, um, I don't even know his bride's name either, that's how bad I've uh, done my research on this show here, Piper interrupted and, uh, you know, Jesse Ventura had a hand in it as well with his opinion on how this wedding should have gone as we see Vince kind of scolding Jesse here and the, uh, the, the, the bride and groom. Right there, Uncle Elmer, ready to, uh, ew, laying a wet one on her there, man. Woo-wee! Um, yeah, Piper interfered, got involved. Jesse got involved somehow. He, he stuck his, you know, two cents in. And we've come to this point here, the, uh, the, the, the Piper's Pit with Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper accompanied by Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. Now, uh. As we all know, uh, when it comes to wrestling talk shows and the history of professional wrestling, uh, Piper's Pit is clearly number one and everything else is fighting for second place. Uh, you know, truly fascinating, entertaining stuff from Piper. Um, when it comes to Piper's Pit, of course, everyone talks about the, the famous incident with the, the Jimmy Snooker coconut, uh, which is classic stuff. But you can't forget, obviously, um, the night that, uh, you know, Piper, Piper's pit was torn down and beat up by uh, adorable Adrian Adonis and Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. And then Piper destroyed Adrian Adonis' flower shop, uh, leading to a, a rebuilt Piper's pit. And on the rebuilt and renovated Piper's pit, we saw the uh, the challenge made by Andre the Giant to Hulk Hogan for the WrestleMania three championship match. And, uh, you know, Piper's pit just, you know, took off from there even more. But here we have uh, Piper really just, uh, you know, 
putting down the, uh, the 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 redneck trio here of Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and uh, Cousin... I want to say his name's Cousin Junior, maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, Hillbilly Jim now standing up. And let me tell you something, Piper. Let me tell you right now. You ain't going to mess with me and my family. Because you don't go mess with a country boy now. You know, I'm going to throw you over the top rope. We beat your fucking ass right now. You know what I mean? Here's Uncle Elmer. And then uh, this cousin right here. I don't know who the fuck he is, like I said, with the shoe, with the, the horseshoe. And Piper is just trying to talk some sense into him. He just told Hillbilly Jim that it was Jesse the Body Ventura. Um who uh, threw him, you know, he's throwing the body under the bus, and there's Jesse, ready, willing, and able to, uh, to to get involved. And, you know, for some of you out there that uh, aren't familiar with the body um, in, in his wrestling days, uh, Jesse Ventura was, was quite the wrestler, and unfortunately he had a career-ending um, knee injury, and he had to move it to the booth. But they're teasing his involvement physically in the ring here with him and Piper against uh, – Uncle Elmer and Hillbilly Jim. Uh, you know, I always thought Jesse the Body Ventura as a kid was uh, easily hateable. Didn't really like him at all. He always just talked shit about Hogan. And, of course, all the good guys, as most bad guy commentators do. But I would have liked to have seen Jesse Ventura manage someone. Like, I always thought, like, a Jesse Ventura Macho Man pairing would have been kind of cool. Uh, because they're both flashy, colorful guys. They both really could have played off well with each other. And I always thought that Jesse could have uh, certainly, most certainly, uh, uh, done some good work with Macho Man. It's now the action in Piper's pit, hot and heavy once again. Uh, Piper ducking out of there right now. Cowboy took a right hand as the uh, the 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 rednecks here, Elmer, Barefoot, and uh, Hillbilly, cornering the body on this wild and raucous pop Piper's pit. There we go. Body ducking out of there, but. Uncle Lumber getting his hat, stomping on it. Hillbilly Jim getting a few licks into. As uh, they go tend to their uh, their cousin, who just he means business now. He took off the the horseshoe. He means business. He's ready to fight. They all are. They're all fired up, ready to go. That's what happens when you get on Piper's pit and you, you, you stand up to the hot rod, man. RP, he, uh, you know, he lays down the laws. We, we're here with the, uh, the, the, the pumpkins again. Once again, here, I'm Mean Gene Oakland, and I'm dressed like a fucking pumpkin in a pumpkin-eating, pumpkin-bobbing contest with uh, the junkyard dog dressed up as a mummy. We got Tito Santanazor, the weasel, and then we have the macho man and Miss Elizabeth as uh, Tarzan and Jane here. The only reason why I'm here is because I need my fucking job to pay my bills, and the hotline's just not doing enough for me. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene, right now, I dressed up like a mummy, even though I don't want to. I really don't want to be a mummy, but you know what? I'm gonna do it because I got I got bills to pay. As we see the the cousin here, whoever the fuck he is, he's gonna participate in this contest. He's gonna be the one that's gonna be bobbing for the pumpkin. Which I said, like I said at the beginning of this program, I hate pumpkins. I hate pumpkin spice lattes. I hate pumpkin everything. And I think this is disgusting that people are going to bite into this pumpkin that's dipped in chocolate here because that's a waste of chocolate. Honestly, it really is. As uh, the action has begun, <clears throat> Bobby Heenan. Up one right now, but uh, cousin Barefoot here. Now we got a tie game. Oh, that's three. Is that two or three? I think Savage is. Uh, I think the Macho Man's cheating. You, you call me a cheater, uh huh? Excuse me. 
As we see, oh, wait a minute, he used his hand. Bobby Heenan cheating once again. Action's hot and heavy at this Halloween pumpkin bobbing contest. I, now, I've never heard of a, a pumpkin bobbing contest. I've heard of the, 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 the pumpkin pass, which they're going to do later in this program. There's going to be a pumpkin pass between all the wrestlers, but um, never heard of a, a, a pumpkin bobbing contest in chocolate. As uh, time is up, and I believe the winner of this pumpkin bobbing contest is Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> Ugh, look at that nastiness right there. All that chocolate and the beard. Oh, my goodness. Macho Man acts like he just uh, he just won the, uh, the, the the pumpkin bobbing contest. Coming up, the dream team of uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake, as uh, Conrad Thompson would say. Chat me up. Who booked this shit? <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not going to take a page out of their book, but... Um, Dream Team, at least I thought that was the Dream Team of Valentine and uh, Barbara. I guess this is the Dream Team. Bobby Heenan managing Big John Stud and King Kong Bundy. Now, um, a lot of people out there have said that, you know, obviously Bobby Heenan, the greatest manager of all time in the history of professional wrestling, um, greatest commentator of all time. But uh, some people have even gone on record as to saying that Bobby Heenan's rivalry with Hulk Hogan and the Heenan family is probably the greatest rivalry of all time because Heenan's uh, Heenan had you know countless countless individuals uh, go after Hulk Hogan over the years whether it was for the championship or just bragging rights um, you know Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant. The list goes on and on and on. I believe Mr. Perfect at one point, Ric Flair. So, I mean, Heenan had, um, you know, his arsenal of guys that would square off against Hogan, uh, whether it be for the championship or bragging rights. Uh, good buddy of mine, Ken Reedy, thinks that Bobby Heenan's family and, you know, the Hulk Hogan is probably the greatest rivalry in the history of wrestling. And uh, it's kind of hard not to argue that, but, you know, I will argue it with something a little bit better. Um, as we see Hulk and Andre with Captain Lou in their corner getting ready for action. Uh, never really understood the, uh, the the Captain Lou association with Hulk Hogan at times, but I didn't think Hogan needed it. But uh, one thing I do understand is is my my need and want for that championship belt that's around Hogan's waist. The uh, the Hulk Hogan they call it the Hogan eighty six heavyweight championship belt. Um, that's my holy grail of, uh, of 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 replica championship belts. Um, I know Hogan has it autographed in his beach shop in Orlando for $3,000. Unless I win the lottery, no fucking thank you. I'm not paying that much for the belt, even though that'd be one of the coolest. That'd probably be my 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 all-time favorite piece of wrestling memorabilia would be that um, that championship belt right there. But um, I'll get it someday. I'll get, the, I'll get the replica, and I'll have it here hanging in the studio. There's probably like maybe like two or three belts I really want that are my all-time favorites when I was a kid, and this is definitely one of them right here. I just, I just love the shape of it, the way it looks, and uh, the way it's you know worn around the waist um, of Hulk Hogan. Uh, not your traditional red and yellow. He's American-made uh, with the, uh, the white tee and the white trunks, knee pads, and the boots. Uh, ready to uh, ready to unleash Hulkamania, brother, um, and his tag team partner Andre the Giant. Now we all know um, how Hogan and Andre got to be 
heading into WrestleMania a couple of years later in 1983. But um, as a kid, I always thought it would have been cool if um, after Andre dumped Bobby Heenan at that WrestleMania in 1990, I believe it was WrestleMania six. I would love to have seen like a Hogan Andre kind of like reuniting, not like a mega powers, but like a super team. Um, one last time. Unfortunately, Andre's health um, had prevented that, and he could not um, perform at a level that was acceptable for for him as well as others. And uh, you know, we obviously know, you know, judging by the the Andre the Giant documentary, how things ended not only in his wrestling career but in his life, unfortunately. But yeah, I was always hoping and holding out hope for a Hogan Andre reuniting, you know, as a tag team, maybe like Hogan and Andre against like. Earthquake and Dino Bravo, um, or Hogan and Andre against like, uh, um, like a like Ric Flair and The Undertaker, you know, uh, as we see the action underway here. Hogan going for a quick cover on King Kong Bundy. Oh, going for that slam? No, Bundy Bundy holding the ropes, arm to the or forearm to the back of the head and the neck area by Bundy onto Hogan. This uh. Oh, elbow right there by the Hulkster in the corner right to Bundy. Irish whip into the other corner. Clothesline by the Hulkster to Bundy. Now he's going for the tag, and here we see the boss, Andre the Giant, ready to uh, ready to get a piece of uh, old Shamu here. He's got him wrapped by the by the uh, the, the the straps here the, of his singlet. Choking the life out of King Kong Bundy. In the corner of your screen, you just saw Lou Albano chasing after Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, of course, the referee doesn't call this an illegal choke, um, even though you know technically this is. But it's Andre the Giant. He does whatever the fuck he wants, I guess. <laughs> right hand by the Giant, tagged back to Hogan. Hogan hitting the second rope with a double axe handle. To the forehead of King Kong Bundy. And nope, got too close to Stud. And Big John Stud getting his licks in. Now they've isolated Hogan in the corner. And here we go. The bad guys with the advantage. This is where the tide is going to turn for Bobby Heenan and his members of the Heenan family. Irish whip by Big John Stud into Hogan. Shoulder blocked down by the big man. Yeah, um, this is, uh, like I said, this is, you know, first time me watching this with all of you. So uh, this is, um, this is certainly, uh, uh, you know, new for me and different. But uh, Hogan here countering with, ooh, oof, that was, that was a little rough there. I think he was going for an atomic drop and the timing was off. Tagged to Andre once again. Andre getting a piece of Big John Stud and uh, urban legend here. Uh, not me, but, you know, urban legend out there in the wrestling world. Uh, Big John Stud, you know, who returned in 1989. Oh! Right hand, backhand to the referee, knocking him out. And this is where the chaos is going to ensue. As all four men are going to be in the ring. No referee the, to, to, to break up the melee. But uh, as I was saying, uh, 1989. Oh, wait a minute, another referee. I believe that's uh, Joey Morella, the late Joey Morella, son of the late great Gorilla Monsoon. Um Joey Morello, one of the uh, very underrated referees in, in professional wrestling history. But, um, 
Yeah, back in 1989, if those of you who remember wrestling historians out there, Big John Studd returned to win the 1989 Royal Rumble match. That was the first Royal Rumble event that uh, took place on uh, traditional pay-per-view. First Royal Rumble took place on uh, cable television in 1988. But 89, we saw Studd make his return, win the Rumble, and... He was a part of a WrestleMania that year as the guest referee for Jake the Snake and Andre the Giant. And according to the urban legend out there, um, Stud and Andre did not really get along. Um, Andre was the boss. Andre was the giant. And Stud tried to um, make his presence known as a giant in the ring and in the locker room. And Andre took offense to it. And Andre used to you know, bully him around, according to the urban legend, whether it's true or not. But Andre... Uh, you know, when he wanted to, had his way with Stud, and Stud had enough and said, fuck this, and I'm out. And that was the last we ever saw on a mainstream level of Big John Stud. Unfortunately, he had passed away in 1995, but was entered into the WWE Hall of Fame in the year 2004, the night before WrestleMania 20. As Andre whipping Stud into the rope, big boot taking him down, Stud trying to catches bearings here oh bundy from behind and there's the famous spot andre always does getting tied up in the ropes um yeah he's done that with just about everyone uh hogan warrior savage jake the snake uh, it's a it's an andre the giant staple getting uh uh stuck in in between the, the the second rope and the and the top rope here but um both bundy and uh, stud here wailing on andre referee Referee calls for the bell, and it looks like this is going to be a disqualification as uh, Hulk Hogan now realizing he's got to go save his partner. He's got to save his brother, brother. Double axe handle to the back of King Kong Bundy. Stud and Andre rolling around on the other side of the ring. Big boot by the Hulkster to King Kong Bundy. Oh, man. And the, the action, the the melee is continuing now. Hogan and Andre with the advantage over Stud. Forearm clothesline to the chest. And the good guys stand tall once again. Hulkamania and Andre the Giant. Your victors in this tag team match. Now, some of you that are watching might not know this, but um, I learned this from... Uh, listening to uh, a, an, an old episode of uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. But uh, if you ever watched Saturday Night's Main Event from way back in the day, the um, because it aired in the time slot of Saturday Night Live on NBC, it was very late at night, 11, 11.30 on a Saturday night. And um, the, uh, the, the, the top names like Hogan and Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior and names like that, they would always either be the first match or right in the middle of the show because they called that the um, the, the the TV main event. They um, Because people were staying up so late and some people might not be able to, at that time, stay up that late to, to watch the entire show, they made sure that they put the top bill, the top drawing guys on either the first match or the middle of the card so that if people couldn't take it anymore and had to go to sleep at least you got to see your hulk hogan or your macho man or your ultimate warrior whoever the case may be um there you see the ljn hulk hogan doll uh the one i have not as clean as that one but certainly have some uh 
some wear and tear on the one I have, but that one looks pretty brand new. Is uh, We are now joined by Mean Gene Oka along with the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, Halloween. Dig it. Yeah. Um, this was after Savage had named Miss Elizabeth his manager. For, for those of you uh, Macho Man historians, wrestling historians, Macho Man Randy Savage came to the World Wrestling Federation without a manager, and he was considered the hottest free agent in all of wrestling. And he had Jimmy Hart, Classy Freddie Blassie, Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, uh, I think uh, maybe Captain Lou. Uh, no, not Captain Lou. Um, but he had a few managers that, you know, really were, um, you know, interested in uh, um, offering their services to him and savage went with the the choice the the not so obvious choice which would be his wife his real life wife miss elizabeth and the rest is history um probably the the greatest um, male female combination in all of wrestling um if if you see you know a male or female um, following Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. It was because of the success of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth's uh, um, time, you know, on screen. Uh, a lot of people out there, you know, wrestling historians, fans, critics, whatever you want to call them, um, will say that you know everything else is a ripoff or a copycat of a male female. Um, in, in, in the world of wrestling, but I mean, you, you can't really, uh, you can't really deny the impact that Randy Savage and Elizabeth together on screen had, um, throughout the years. And, uh, you know, proof is in the pudding, you know, that WrestleMania in, in 1991, when they reunited after they had broken up, um, the, the impact it had, you know, truly Unbelievable as we see the Intercontinental Championship on the line here. Things are getting underway with, uh, as Jesse the Body would say, Chico Santana against the Macho Man. Uh -huh. Intercontinental Championship on the line. Um, Tito coming off this, uh, the, the, that unbelievable rivalry at the time with Greg the Hammer Valentine. And like I said, Randy Savage, a, a virtual uh, newcomer in the land of the World Wrestling Federation at this time, but uh, certainly someone who um, is held in high regard uh, on television during this time period as uh, a, a, a big deal in, in the world of professional wrestling. Big enough to uh, you know make a splash with his wife, Miss Elizabeth, and compete for the Intercontinental Championship. But, um, you know, going back to the male-female combination, you know, and to kind of put a period at the end of that sentence, uh, you know, Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth were so good at it as especially, you know, I hate to use this term, but as baby faces, that there weren't really that many successful male-female combinations as baby faces. Um, you saw more successful male-female pairings when they were bad guys or when they were heels. They were heels, as Jim Cornette would say. Um, but you didn't see too many that were really, really, really successful or as successful as Randy Savage and Elizabeth as good guys. So I think that's why, um, you know, uh, you don't see too many of that nowadays. And uh, you didn't really see a whole lot of that following um, Savage and Elizabeth. That was a once in a lifetime deal. That was, you know, uh, that was it right there, man. You couldn't uh, you couldn't get any better than that. And I, I think that's why, uh, like I said, not too many male, female uh, Babyface combinations in wrestling following this. Uh, Savage here, uh, headlock takedown to Tito Santana. 
in this Intercontinental Championship match on this Halloween edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, you know, while we are on the subject of Halloween, uh, it would be uh, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some of my past excursions dressing up as my favorite wrestlers for Halloween. Now, I didn't always dress up as wrestlers for Halloween, but if I did, I made sure I went about it the right way. Um, first Halloween I can remember, uh, I was a little kid, I believe I was in preschool, maybe kindergarten, and we had a Halloween party at my house, and I was Hulk Hogan. And I had the Hulk Hogan mask with like the little rubber band kite string to hold it in the back, and there was like a plastic bodysuit, and I didn't want to wear the bodysuit, so I had like my red sweatpants on and no shirt, and I thought I was, you know, ripped like Hulk Hogan, but clearly that was not the case. Uh, my parents were not pleased that I destroyed my costume, but just kept my mask. <laughs> um trying to see who else I dressed up as uh, my buddy Dean and I Dean Ulanis if you're listening out there what's going on man uh, hope you're doing well I'm definitely going to have you on in the very near future here I'm kicking out it too but uh, Dean and I both dressed up like the ultimate warrior one year and it uh, wasn't my choice I'll be honest with you um, my mother had gotten me an ultimate warrior costume um, it was a it was a mail away. You could ma- you can you can uh, get it in the catalog, and so it came with like a um, his uh, his face paint symbol, but in like a plastic mask where you can like tie around the back of your head. Had some tassels for the arms, some wristbands, and it had a T-shirt with like his upper body, you know, his chest and his abs and his six pack and. Um, yeah, uh, I was the ultimate warrior, and I didn't really care for it because they didn't have any Hulk Hogan costumes for some reason. I don't know why they didn't have Hulk Hogan costumes, but um, Dean didn't really do a whole lot of dressing up. He just wore like a jean jacket. I think he had like an Ultimate Warrior t-shirt, and he painted his face like the Ultimate Warrior. Maybe his mom did. I'm not sure, but um, Dean, if you're listening and you have that picture, because I do remember you showing me that picture, uh, by all means, uh, post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two over our, or on Twitter excuse me our handle at kicking out two k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two um yeah we went trick-or-treating that year wasn't really you know too fond of being the ultimate warrior but you know i had to have a costume couldn't go out trick-or-treating without a costume and it was wrestling so i i kind of accepted it as uh you know, while we were talking here the the action got carried away and it looks like uh tito santana He's going to retain his Intercontinental Championship, not the way he would like, but Tito Santana standing tall and still your Intercontinental Champion against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh-huh. And here we have uh, Mr. Fuji. Uh-huh. Mr. Fuji, uh, I'm going to issue a challenge to get Steamboat because you have no girlfriend. That's right. Uh-huh. Kung Fu Challenge to Ricky Steamboat Saturday Night Main Event. Oh, Ricky Steamboat, you know chop a wood good. No, you don't. Oh, that fake wood. Yeah, Ricky Steamboat, you have no girlfriend. And coming up, Roddy Piper's Trick or Treat. As we see the cast of characters practicing the pumpkin pass here. Hillbilly Jim and Uncle Elmer in the back. And uh, Bobby Heenan. And uh, there you see Hillbilly Jim again. Practicing for the, the pumpkin pass. As uh, old pumpkinhead Gene Okerlund brings us to... And I love how they they describe this house. This is Roddy Piper's rented American home uh, because he's from Glasgow, Scotland. He doesn't live here in the United States on a regular basis. He's rented a home. So they call it Roddy Piper's rented American home as uh, 
Yeah, imagine having this guy open up the door if you're uh, you're out trick or treating, looking for some candy. Man, Hot Rod was uh, one of a kind. Uh, probably, uh, arguably, one of the greatest talkers, if not the greatest talker in uh, the history of the business. I mean, you can you can make a case for Dusty, you can make a case for Flair, you can make a case for The Rock. Um, but man, nobody talks shit like Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper wrote the book on trash talking in professional wrestling, and everyone else has just uh, everyone else has uh, added a chapter or two uh, over the years. Is uh, Vince McMahon here um, trying to get an idea of what Piper's doing? And it looks like Piper is uh, trying to create his very own Halloween candy here with the bricks and the uh, the bowling ball and the the, the sticks here. Um, yeah, really fun stuff from from Hot Rod here. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Piper is just uh, gone too soon. He was, he was, you know, truly uh, a trailblazer in the business and someone who, uh, you know, died way too young you know, for 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 all of us wrestling fans. Um, probably one of the very few guys that I was genuinely upset by that he had passed away because he was he had such a, a stronghold on my my childhood uh he was the first guy that i wanted hulk hogan to destroy he was like a, you know the, the to me he's the best bad guy in the history of the business without a doubt um and he's uh, showing it here as he's uh you know preparing to uh entertain the trick-or-treaters uh that are set to uh um come to his rented american home for candy uh bowling balls and bricks and roddy piper cut out in the background and all the halloween decorations and here we see the kids ready to hopefully get some get some treats from the hot rod um here's another urban legend out there um the, uh, the the young the youngster dressed right there with the 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 gold pants and the um, the the sequin the, the the sparkly wig and I believe it's covering a child's face the uh, the rumor is is that that is Vince McMahon's daughter a young Stephanie McMahon making her WWE on-screen television debut uh, that's the rumor. Um, I don't know how true that is, but I've heard some stories over the years that uh, Vince would get the kids involved, and uh, that's one of the reasons why they've hit her hit her face there. Um, youngster dressed up like the Hulkster. I had that bandana, had that headband at one point. Um, I believe I tried to dress up like Hulk one year, but I didn't have all the 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 gear when I was that age. Because eventually, I did dress up like Hulk. Um, I was probably in my 20s, and I was going to a Halloween party at a bar, and I had the shirt, I had the bandana, I had the wristbands, I bought a mustache kit so I could make a blonde uh, handlebar mustache, and uh, I had the, the I had like a, a, a mullet, like a blonde mullet wig that I cut and then glued to the inside of the bandana so I could make Hulk's hair and fake muscles. And yeah, I had a grand old time at this Halloween party dressed up as the Hulkster. Didn't win anything other than the, uh, the, 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 the affection of, of, of other wrestling fans in the bar. But, Oh, look at this. 
Piper might have found himself a treat after he had just destroyed all these kids' Halloween candy. Um, now it's time to go. Time to go, children. Yep, that's it. I took all your candy, and now it's time to go. Oh, wait. Here, here's one for the road, kid. Yep, see you later. Courtesy of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Ha, ha, ha. All RP. That's right. Uh, just when you think you've been trick-or-treating, I've got the real treat for you. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, is that Stephanie? I believe that is. Here, they take off the mask. Yeah, she, she took. Yes, that is her. That is her. As as it's come to it's come to be that the children pull a fast one and a swerve over on Piper with the chocolate covered pepper, and uh, Vince McMahon there getting a real treat out of uh, Piper's uh, Piper's misfortunes. And here we see the Hulkster brother. Let me tell you something, Vince McMahon. I am dressed up like Julius Caesar for a reason because I couldn't be Hulk Hogan for Halloween because I'm Hulk Hogan every single day of the week, brother. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I really wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Fuji preparing for this Kung Fu challenge against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Mean Gene Oakland in the locker room looking to uh, get a word with Master Fuji. Oh, Mean Gene. Oh, yeah. He just tried to karate chop a brick and was very unsuccessful. So he's going to try it again and see what happens. <laughs> I'm surprised. Oh, he got it. He got it this time. He got it this time. Oh, yeah, Mr. Fuji. I'm going to embarrass Ricky Steamboat in Kung Fu Challenge because he had no girlfriend. <laughs> Oakland here. Uh, getting himself into all kinds of hijinks on this Halloween episode. Coming up next, the Kung Fu Challenge. And in the ring here, to our right, Mr. Fuji, accompanied by The Rock, Don Morocco. No, not Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, but The Rock, Don Morocco, waiting for Mr. Steamboat to come out here. Now, a Kung Fu challenge, I don't know what exactly that is. Uh, and judging by this uh, this episode here of Saturday Night's Main Event, they didn't really explain it too well. But um, you know, the Kung Fu challenge, it looks like they're just allowed to use karate moves in a wrestling match. So uh, this isn't really anything special. As we see um, footage here of uh, Steamboat in Morocco um, recently. and Oh, look at this. This here, this does not age well. Look at this. Holy shit, man. Choking the life out of Steamboat with his uh, his karate belt. Fuji and uh, Morocco tying him up, hanging him. Uh, yeah, you certainly, certainly, certainly won't see that in 2018 in uh, professional wrestling. I'm glad they didn't show too much of that here. As uh, Oakland looking to get a word with Steamboat. Uh, yeah, I always thought Steamboat was... Um, was was pretty fun to watch as a kid and uh, even as an adult uh, one of my all-time favorites uh growing up uh i loved when he used to come out with the kimono dragon or the alligator or the crocodile whatever you want to call it and uh he would uh you know uh counter jake the snake with his snake um and of course you know his famous match with randy savage at wrestlemania 3 you can't beat that here as uh steamboat makes his way to the ring looking to uh Avenge his uh, his his honor uh, against uh, Mr. Fuji and Don Morocco in this Kung Fu challenge here. 
on our special Halloween edition of Saturday night's main event. Um, Mr. Fuji, probably one of my favorite managers of all time. I wouldn't put him in there as like a top five or like in a manager Mount Rushmore, but um, I really enjoyed Mr. Fuji even as I was as a kid. Like he he reminded me of like um, you know uh, Odd Job from the James Bond movies with the top hat and the, the cane and the, the 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 tuxedo with the coattails in the back. But yeah, I mean Fuji was. Um, to me, you know, you love to hate him, but at the same time, he would say things that make you laugh, and just the way he talked and his broken English, um, I used to get a kick out of him as a kid. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of uh, um, exposure to him during this time period, because like I said earlier, I did not watch wrestling in 1985, didn't get into it until 86, but when he managed Demolition, Powers of Pain, eventually Yokozuna, um, a load of different guys. Uh, throughout the years in wrestling, uh, I always enjoyed watching Fuji and seeing Fuji take a beating, but also hearing Fuji on the microphone as we are underway in this Kung Fu challenge. Like I said, doesn't really seem like it's anything special, any kind of special rules. They're just allowed to uh, to, to use karate moves in a wrestling match. And I mean, I didn't know at the time that, you know, there was a difference, but uh, and it looks like they're. There was a slight difference here as uh, both guys squaring. Oh, a low blow and a double thrust to the throat by Mr. Fuji. Oh, headbutt to the uh, the southern region of the dragon. Ricky Steamboat. Um, Fuji getting the upper hand here early on in this match. Knife edge chop by Mr. Fuji to Ricky Steamboat. And that's, that's not someone that uh, you want a knife edge chop uh, very lightly. You want to get the best of him because Steamboat is known for his razor sharp knife edge chops. Just ask Ric Flair in their series of matches uh, over the, the, the course of their careers. Uh, Steamboat looking like he almost had the advantage, but Fuji now getting one up on him once again. Yeah, Mr. Fuji didn't have a whole lot of uh, um, technical wherewithal, but uh, his sneaky little tricks. Oh, is this the... the... <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. You can't be fucking serious right now. He just gave him the Tongan death grip and then beeled him with two fingers by the throat overhead. <laughs> come on. This is ridiculous. I can't believe Steamboat sold that shit. Wow. Oh, man. Oh, kick to the gut. Nope, looks like he's going to... Now, that's definitely. this is definitely not a karate move. A suplex is not a karate move, that's for sure. I've not seen many guys vertically suplex others in uh, martial arts competition. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, both guys now down on the mat referee. You know, counting, I guess. I guess in a Kung Fu challenge, you know, you, you count the guy out if he's on the ground. I mean, I don't know. Um, Steamboat looking to make his way to the top rope while Morocco watching on in his best uh, Jimmy Buffett special, Margaritaville Hawaiian shirt. Drop kick from Steamboat to Mr. Fuji. One, two, three, and this Kung Fu challenge is all she wrote. Well, oh, the red mist. By Don Morocco in the eyes of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh man, and and and, and I'm just curious. You know, maybe somebody can answer this for me. Hopefully, you can. If you do, please Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Um, what's with wrestlers of 
Japanese descent or Asian descent that possess some kind of liquid from their mouths that's able to blind their opponents. I mean, you had Tajiri and Great Muda and the Great Kabuki and all these guys that would spit out this red mist or this green mist, and it was supposed to it was supposed to blind people. I I, I mean, as a kid, I thought it was cool, but I never understood why always people that were of Asian descent or associated with people from Asia had to have this mist as the halloween party continues here with mean gene oakland and the lovely miss elizabeth all the way live as as uh i believe that's jane to her tarzan macho man randy savage oakland trying to cop a feel here look at him look at him fucking dirty old pervert right there trying to trying to get a feel on there miss elizabeth and pumpkin head motherfucker <laughs> we're back here with vince mcmahon and jesse the body ventura and they're about ready to uh to uh, officiate the official saturday night's main event halloween pumpkin pass here on this special halloween edition of saturday night's main event like i said jesse ventura dressed like a normal you know Normal day at the office for Jesse Ventura. This isn't certainly a Halloween costume. There we see Super Hot Rod, Tarzan Macho Man, the uh, Davy Crockett or David Boone, uh, Johnny Boone. I don't know what kind of Boone he is, but that's Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, junkyard Dog right there. There you see him as the uh, the mummy. Uh, Ariba, Tito Santana as Zorro. Um, the, uh, the Uncle Elmer, Hillbilly Jim, and uh, Cousin Barefoot, whoever the fuck he is. They're the three musketeers. You saw Hulk Hogan as uh, Hercules. Captain Lou as Julius Caesar. But here we go. Pumpkin Pass has begun with Junkyard Doug. Oh, now they're hiding. Look at this. See? They're hiding. Even Ventura's saying that they're hiding with the capes, you know, using their hands. Oh, there we go again. That's three. Oh, is we going to make it? We're going to make it? We're going to make it? Captain Lou? He's got the pumpkins. He's about to pass it to Hulk. Oh! And the pumpkin drops. Now it is the turn of Bobby Heenan's team, I believe. They have to beat the team of Captain Lou, Hulk Hogan, Uncle Elmer, Hillbilly Jim, Tito Santana, and the Junkyard Dog. Uh, Oakland, yeah. Ex explaining the rules once again. Explaining what's taking place here is Jesse Ventura, you know, adding Roddy Piper to the team. Super hot rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's right. Uh, along with Miss Elizabeth, Macho Man, Nikolai Volkov, the Batman, Iron and Sheik, uh, Pie Winner, King Kong Bundy, Nikolai Volkov, who was dressed up as Robin or Super Volkov. Oh, look at that. Yep, they're, they're cheating, too, using their hands. You can see right there. Oh, yes, Miss Elizabeth, take the pumpkin. Oh, oh, shake it, baby. Give your pumpkin, your pumpkin toss. Yes. There I see Elizabeth with the pumpkin now. Good old RP, super hot rod. He's getting the pumpkin now, too. Oh, it dropped. Uh-oh. And I think, uh, I think they're out. Oh, and now they're blaming Elizabeth. Look at this. Blaming Miss Elizabeth for this loss. Macho Man having a fit. You cost us the pumpkin piss. Uh-huh. You're going to go to your room. You're punished now. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh, no dinner for you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Look at this. Classic. Classic. 
domestic abuse right here. These are the early signs of of a of a domestic uh, situation in 1985 between Miss Elizabeth and the Macho Man. As Pumpkinhead Gene Okerlund announces that, uh, look at this. Yeah, that was like borderline spousal abuse right there by Randy Savage. God rest his soul and Miss Elizabeth. As, uh, we're, we're coming to an end here on this Saturday night's main event Halloween watch-along special here on Kicking Out at 2. Thank you all so very much for joining me as we're, uh, we're, we're getting ready to close things out here with uh, Jesse Ventura giving us the business, letting everyone know that you know next time we get to Saturday night's main event, him and Piper might take out Uncle Elmer and Hillbilly Jim. Uh, Gene Okerlund looking like such a fucking fool with that pumpkin on. Holy cow. And then Vin, yeah, why didn't Vince dress up like anything, huh? Everyone else had to look like an asshole. Why couldn't he look like an asshole, for Christ's sakes? Jesus Christ. But, you know, this has been a lot of fun here. Halloween. Hope you guys all have all had a... Um, very festive, happy Halloween, going to all the Halloween parties this past week um, with your significant others, or if, you know, you don't have a significant other, you went and enjoyed yourself, but, uh, you know, definitely a fun time when it comes to Halloween every year, uh, dressing up either as your favorite wrestler, your favorite television character, whatever the case may be. Um, Halloween's a lot of fun. I, I, I certainly like Halloween. My wife and I have dressed up a few different times over the years as uh, the, the credits are rolling here on this Halloween edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. But before we get going, I'd like to give you guys a little preview of what we got coming up in the month of November. Um, next week, Justin's going to return with me, and we are going to discuss some of the, the most infamous authority figures in all of professional wrestling history, and I mean on-screen authority figures. Um, we're going to give you our very own kicking out at two approval rating on some of the best and some of the worst. Uh, we got a whole list of guys we're going to talk about, some of their best moments, some of their worst moments, and uh, with election season coming up right around the corner, I thought it'd be fitting that we talk about the guys who call the shots in the history of professional wrestling, from the Jack Tunneys to the Gorilla Monsoon to the Eric Bischoffs to the Mr. McMahon. We are going to cover it all next week right here on Kicking Out at 2. Head on over to SoundCloud.com for that. The following week, um, Justin and I are going to sit down once again, and we're going to bring back our trading places concept. But this time around, we're going to do it with a little bit of a twist. We're going to bring you, instead of one event, we're going to pick, we're going to cherry pick some matches from Survivor Series history, and we're going to dissect those matches and give you all the what-if scenarios that we do with trading places. So, with the results being what they are, we're going to flip those results, and we're going to see how those particular characters, or that particular storyline, could have gone had the results gone the other way. So, we're going to talk about um, Undertaker's debut at Survivor Series, and how that may could have, that, that could have gone differently. The following year his championship match with Hulk Hogan um, some of the classic matches Bret Hart was involved in at Survivor Series with Steve Austin and Bob Backlund and Diesel we're going to talk about the alliance in the WWF in 2001 we're going to talk about a lot of controversial Survivor Series matches of course when you talk Survivor Series you cannot talk about you know Survivor Series without talking about the screw job in Montreal. We're going to trade places with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart from 1997. We're going to do a lot of digging and deep diving when it comes to Survivor Series history for our trading places concept. The following week 
We're going to talk about what we are thankful for in wrestling history. We're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to we're, you know what are you thankful for in wrestling history? Whether it's certain matches, certain wrestlers, certain personal experiences you've had with your time watching professional wrestling, attending wrestling events. What are you thankful for in professional wrestling as a wrestling fan? We're going to give it to you that week on kicking out it too. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we got a special bonus show for you on. Black Friday. That's right. We're going to give you a special bonus show, Black Friday. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, I believe that's November the 23rd, I want to say. I could be wrong. Or the 24th, excuse me, Black Friday. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be giving you uh, a, a special bonus show. We haven't really determined what that's going to be yet, but... Black Friday, when you when when you're done shopping and you got nothing better to do, hang out with us at Kicking Out at Two, and we're gonna give you some awesome retro pro wrestling content. And then ending the month of November is going to be the debut of the No Filter Theater with me and my beautiful wife, No Filter Nikki. Is we're gonna sit down and watch the November twenty eighth episode of WWF Monday Night Raw from 1999. That is the night that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon got married live. L-I-V-E live in the middle of the arena. Or should I say got married in Vegas and the whole world found out in the middle of the arena that Stephanie McMahon is now married to Triple H. So that's going to cover the month of November here on Kicking Out at Two. And thank you all so much for joining me this week here on this special Halloween edition, this watch along of Saturday night's main event, November 2nd, 1985. And it's about that time that we put this show down for the three count. We will see you all next week.